Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Paul Byron of the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam Hurt. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the and I'm. This is Alex Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Good weekend and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That's me and I want to take a second and welcome you. If you're a newcomer to the program, thanks for uh, taking the time to download this week's episode. And if you're a returning listener, then obviously thanks for coming back. For more, as always here on the Pipeline Show, we start with the question of the day. It's been live on Twitter for all of about 30 seconds, so not expecting any feedback, at least not significant uh, feedback just yet. But uh, the question, and I made it a poll. The question is, which of these international hockey tournaments do you pay the most attention to? All of these are, of course, junior hockey, and uh, I omitted the uh, World U20 for obvious reasons. I think that would be the runaway uh, most popular. Uh, The four that I put out there, the World Junior A Challenge, that goes in December, actually in a couple weeks here, this year being played up in Dawson Creek. Uh, The World U18s uh, every April. The Holinka Gretzky Cup, which goes at the start of the year at the uh, in uh, August, or the World U17s, which just wrapped up a couple of weeks ago down in Medicine Hat slash Swift Current. Right now, the leading vote getter is the Holinka Gretzky Cup. Uh, you can let me know, and you can take part in the poll. Hit me up on Twitter at tps underscore gee. If you're not following me already, why don't you give me a follow so you can take part and uh, answer the question every week. Let's get right to the news and notes uh, portion of uh, this opening segment, and we uh, start with the CHL Top 10. No change at number one. The Sherbrooke Phoenix continue to roll. Moncton jumps up to number two. Everett follows them to the number three spot. Shakutami is now number four. The Prince Albert Raiders hold steady at number five, followed by the Windsor Spitfires, the Oshawa Generals, the Edmonton Oil Kings, Ottawa, and the Peterborough Peets uh, close out the Top 10. Honorable mentions go to the Guelph Storm, Ramuski Oceanic, and the Portland Winterhawks of the Western Hockey League. Uh, looking closer at the Q standings, of course, Sherbrooke is in first place. Uh, not far behind are the Moncton Wildcats, uh, just two wins uh, behind uh, Sherbrooke. And Shakutami is uh, one victory away from uh, Moncton in the standings. So it is still a fairly tight race, and Ramuski, Charlottetown, right behind, uh, right behind uh, uh, Shakutami. So if anybody stumbles and uh, other teams continue to play well, you can see uh, teams shuffling back and forth in the standings uh, all season long. We look at the uh, statistical leaders in the queue, and the uh, three players from Ramuski uh, have been leading the, the league in scoring pretty much all year and continue to. 
Alexi Lafreniere with 51 points. Cedric Paré has 50. Dmitry Zavgorodny has 43. Yegor Sokolov of the Cape Breton Eagles has 41. And Jacob Pelche had a strong week. He's up to 40 points now for the Moncton Wildcats. Heading out to the OHL and uh, the Peterborough Peets and the Ottawa 67s have 32 points. They sit atop the OHL standings as well as the uh, East Division standings as they are in a very competitive division. The Oshawa Generals are just one point back with 31, but they have a game in hand. If you look at uh, winning percentage, it's actually Oshawa who is the the, uh, top team in the OHL. And you know what? As I say that, I I see I'm wrong. It's actually the Windsor Spitfires who have 29 points. They've only played 19 games, though, so they have three or four games in hand on the teams I've just been talking about. They have a 763 winning percentage, so it's actually Windsor who is, uh, right now at least mathematically, the top team in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, let's take a look at the uh, stats leaders in the OHL. And a change at the top, a three-way tie now. Uh, Arthur Kaliev, Connor McMichael, and Jan Janik, or Jan Janik, all with 46 points. And Quinton Byfield has 45, so quite the race right now in the OHL uh, for top scores. Nico Dawes playing extremely well in net for the Guelph Storm. He has uh, both the uh, top the goals against average at 233 and top save percentage at 934. Meanwhile, out here in the uh, Western Hockey League, the uh, top team by points are the uh, Prince Albert Raiders. That's going into uh, this weekend's action. They have 34 points. Both Edmonton and Lethbridge have 33 points. The Old Kings have played one fewer game than the uh, the Hurricanes have. So uh, a tight race there, and uh, the Everett Silvertips with 29 points, but again, uh, just like in the OHL, uh, they've got four games in hand on uh, Prince Albert and Edmonton, so their winning percentage is 763, and that is tops in the Western Hockey League. Leading the scoring race in the dub is Alexi Protus of the uh, Prince Albert Raiders. He has 34 points. Uh, Connor Zeri and Jimmy Hamblin. Uh, Zeri plays for Kamloops. Hamblin with the Medicine Hat Tigers. They have 33 points. Dylan Cousins has 32 as does Adam Beckman of the Spokane Chiefs, a top goaltender in the queue. Well, it uh, depends which stat you're looking at. Joel Hofer has the best goals against average at 191. Carl Tedichuk of Lethbridge right there with 194, and Dustin Wolf with a 199. So very tight there. Uh, and save percentage-wise, those three guys are ahead of the pack as well, but in slightly re- different order. It's Dustin Wolf with a 939 save percentage, followed by Hofer. And Tedichuk, interesting, uh, Sebastian Kosa of the Edmonton Oil Kings, rookie this year, is fifth in both of those categories. The natural next step from CHL hockey for most players is to go to U-Sports. So let's check the standings in U-Sports, and we'll start in the OUA East. Carlton has a uh, four-point cushion atop the conference. UQTR is next, followed by McGill, Ottawa, and Ontario. In OUA West, it's uh, Toronto and Windsor who are tied with uh, 22 points. Toronto does have uh, one game in hand. Ryerson right there as well, not far back, just one victory shy of both Toronto and Windsor. In the Atlantic Conference, Acadia has regained a top spot, but UNB is right behind and have two games in hand on the Axemen, so watch for the Varsity Reds. St. Mary's is third, and then it's uh, Moncton. St. FX, UPI, and uh, Dalhousie uh, to close out the standings in the uh, Atlantic Conference. And uh, out here in Canada West, uh, the Golden Bears of Alberta 
continue to lead the way. They have a five-point lead right now on Mount Royal, who is in second, followed by Calgary and Saskatchewan. Those four teams, a bit of a vanguard ahead of Manitoba, UBC, Lethbridge, and Regina. Now, the schedule in U-Sport this weekend, uh, here's what you can find at uh, the Canadian University nearest U. Western is in Windsor. Moncton is hosting St. FX. UNB welcomes Dalhousie. UPEI will take on St. Mary's. Laurier goes to uh, Thunder Bay to play Lakehead. Waterloo welcomes Toronto. Brock is uh, going to uh, York. UQTR will take on Ontario Tech. Nipissing welcomes Carleton. Queens is on the road. They will face RMC. Manitoba will play host to the uh, U of A Golden Bears. Saskatchewan on the road uh, down south will play in Regina. Calgary travels down Highway 2 to take on the Lethbridge Pronghorns. And Mount Royal will host UBC. Stateside in the NCAA, the uh, top 20, Minnesota State, getting 36 of the 50 first place votes. They are the number one ranked team going into this weekend. Cornell is next, followed by Notre Dame, Denver. North Dakota jumps up from number nine to number five this week. Penn State up a couple of spots to six. Massachusetts uh, falls from five to seven. Clarkson is eight. Minnesota Duluth up three spots to number nine. Harvard. Sits at 10. They are a perfect 5-0 to begin the year. Ohio State, 11, followed by Providence, Northeastern, Boston College, UMass Lowell, Wisconsin at 16. Then you've got Bowling Green, Omaha, Northern Michigan, and Western Michigan comes in at 20. Top scorer in the NCAA right now is Jack Dugan from Providence, uh, and uh, he's got quite the quite the lead right now. 26 points for the sophomore uh, ahead of uh, Tice Thompson, who is his teammate at Providence. So with the Friars, uh, Thompson has 19 points. Nate Susi of Penn State has 18. And uh, then it's a, a lot of players uh, with 17, 16, and a whole bunch with 15 and 14. But uh, right now, Jack Dugan uh, has a huge lead in scoring uh, in NCAA. Also, quickly check the standings in the USHL. Haven't done that for a while. I'm not sure why, but the USHL just seems to be an afterthought a little bit. But uh, the Chicago Steel are in first place uh, in their conference and have the uh, most points in the USHL. But the Dubuque Fighting Saints have the best winning percentage at 808. They have three games in hand on Chicago. They both play in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Waterloo Blackhawks lead the Western Conference with 23 points. Sean Farrell of the Chicago Steel leads the uh, USHL in scoring. He has 23 points through 16 games. He is uh, headed to... Uh, Harvard, and he, being a late birthday, a late 01, he's eligible for the draft this year and has been given a C rating uh, by NHL Central Scouting, and he is on the uh, U.S. squad that will play at the World Junior A Challenge here in a couple of weeks up in uh, Dawson Creek, British Columbia. Okay, let's get to the show. Here's what's coming down the pipe today. Our NCAA campus report will feature Adam Woden from College Hockey News, also a contributor at EP Ringside, like I am. And I wanted to talk to him about a feature that he wrote for EP Ringside about uh, college free agents to watch for this year. It's something I get asked about all the time. And uh, I noticed that he had written a uh, an article about it just uh, this week. Uh, so I wanted to get him on the show to talk about that. The uh, campus report is brought to you by College Hockey Inc. For those uh, players and uh, family members who are looking to explore all options of uh, hockey and want to know what you have to do to maintain your eligibility, you can go to College Hockey Inc., 
and uh, have a lot of your questions answered right there on their website. But uh, you can get in touch with people like Nate Ewell, and uh, he will uh, help you be your guide to uh, what you can and what you can't do. Then we'll have a U-Sport update, and one of the, well, he is the top scorer in Canada West right now, and one of the reasons that the University of Calgary have uh, gotten off to a decent start this year, Matt Alfaro played four years in the Western Hockey League, almost all of it with the uh, Kootenai Ice out of Cranbrook, B.C. Well, he is now in his third year of U-Sport Hockey with the uh, Calgary Dinos, so we'll talk to him about how things are going uh, with, uh, with himself as he leads Canada West in scoring also for the team, and uh, of course we'll look back at his WHL career and talk about his scholarship package and uh, what he's studying and all of that. From there, we'll have an in-the-dub segment. It's a bit of a shorter one. Uh, the player that I'm speaking with today, uh, you'll hear from today, at rather, I spoke with him on Wednesday as he was about to get on a ferry as the Victoria Royals were on, getting set to go on the road to uh, play the Kelowna Rockets. Uh, Will Warm is my guest, defenseman with the Royals, former Edmonton Oil King, so it was good to catch up with Will Warm and talk to him about how the season is going, but it is a shorter segment, so only the interview itself is about seven minutes long. Uh, we will close out the show with a 2020 draft spotlight segment, and uh, this fella is uh, catching a lot of attention here in the Ontario Hockey League. His name is Marco Rossi. He's an Austrian playing in his second season in the CHL with the Ottawa 67s, having a terrific year and lots of buzz about Marco Rossi, so I wanted to get him on the show. I think you'll enjoy that conversation. So Adam Wodum, Matt Alfaro, Will Warm, and Marco Rossi, they are the guests today on the Pipeline Show. We'll start it off, though, with Adam Wodum from College Hockey News and EP Rinkside next here on the Pipeline Show. Pashnuk with a fake shot, and he goes the other way, spinning a couple more spins, two or three of them. Princeton Pashnuk. Pashnuk with a shot. He scores! Four down! Princeton Pashnuk! Are you serious? Hey, it's Princeton Pashnak from the Arizona State Sun Devils, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Johnny Gaudreau. Backhand score! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. And Shane Gossespierre were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Back on the Pipeline Show, we're going to begin this week's episode with an campus report uh, brought to you by uh, College Hockey Inc. And uh, if you're a player, if you have a player in your family that's exploring all their options and uh, need to know what they have to do to maintain their NCAA eligibility, well, College Hockey Inc. is a great resource. You might want to reach out to them. Uh, their website might answer a lot of the questions you might have as well. So go check that out. Uh, my guest this week uh, is Adam Woden, uh, managing editor for College Hockey News, also a contributor at EP Rinkside. Uh, Adam, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are things? All good. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be here. Well, I appreciate you making the time. And I, one of the things I wanted to talk, we're going to cover a few things, but uh, one of the articles you have uh, 
recently at the EP Ringside is something I was recently asked about myself, and that's to do with NCAA free agents uh, for this year. And so it seemed like uh, perfect timing, and you're the guy whose brain I wanted to pick about this subject. So uh, is, is there far and away like one guy that stands out uh, from the pack that, well, that's the guy everybody's going to be going after this year? Is there is there one of those types of guys this year? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if, if that's the case. I mean, if, if there is, I mean, I guess, you know, I put Alec Rahauser, the defenseman from Bowling Green, on the top of the list. I don't know if he's necessarily head and shoulders above everybody else. The only reason why I would say that would be because he's sort of been on the list for a few years now and hasn't decided to leave, you know. So, and he's had opportunities. So it's almost been like, why hasn't he gone yet? But I guess he just likes uh, coming playing for Bowling Green. I figured last year after the coaching change with Chris Bergeron leaving Bowling Green to go to Miami, that that would be the time when, you know, they finally made the NCAA tournament and sort of got over the hump. And I was like, okay, well, you know, but he came back for another year. So, you know, that's the only reason why I would necessarily put him ahead of anybody else is because he's been on the radar for so long. But, um, you know, there's a lot of guys that are, I don't know if anyone's going to be like this surefire, you know, it's going to happen for him in the NHL. There's not necessarily a guy where I, you know, say guarantee this guy's going to have a great NHL career, but um, there's a lot of guys uh, in that pretty good level that could have one if all things break right. Well, this listing is, uh, you can uh, readers can find it at epringside.com. You'll have to have the premium package to, to access it. Uh, but what I found interesting was that uh, Rowhouse is a senior, but not everybody on the list is a senior. There are some underclassmen as well. And uh, that's interesting because, as you point out in the in the article, that's where you get often the uh, the big uh, bidding the, the, where the, the, the money gets a little bit larger as they're trying to lure a guy to leave early, and there might be uh, a bit of a bidding war there too. Right, exactly. And that's, you know, you kind of look for, it, you know, it's impossible to read kids' minds, right? Because, I mean, like I said, I would have figured Rahauser was gone last year. And then there's always some surprises where, like, this guy is going to come out and you wouldn't think he would. But you try to kind of read the tea leaves a little bit here. And not just, I, I didn't just make a list of the best 10, but also the ones that I thought might be ones that would go. And, you know what I mean? So sometimes you base that on, like, things like age. You know, and that's another thing. So, like, if you have a, a a guy who's not a senior but maybe is older, that I think that, you know, that guy might be more apt to leave. For example, Vincent DeMay of Northern Michigan as a sophomore has kind of just blossomed out of nowhere this year. But he's already 22 years old as a sophomore, you know. So, And he's got an NHL-sized body, NHL-type shot. So that's the kind of guy that you look for and say, you know, he might uh, be right to be plucked. Uh, especially since, I mean, no offense to Northern Michigan, I guess, but they're not on the verge of a national championship where you'd like to come back and, you know, go for it. And the opposite to Vincent DeMay would be Patrick Kordorenko, who's a senior as well, but he's only 21, and that means, boy, right. so he was there, he was at Michigan State as a 17-year-old? That's that's hard to imagine. <laughs> yeah, tell me about him as a player, because I imagine there are going to be lots of teams looking at a, a 20-year-old senior. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, tremendous as i said in the piece of relatively young seniors you mentioned and uh you know he's just uh, one of those guys who's uh got decent size but uh, the the high iq as they say um he needed to work on uh, his skating early on but he's done that and he always had good hands and uh he's not afraid to, to mix it up you know last year he played 
with Mitchell Lewandowski and Tara Hirose, who's now in the NHL, uh, Hirose is. But uh, so that line got broken up. I mean, that was a phenomenal line last year for a team that uh, has been mediocre. I mean, they were they were definitely standouts. Um, you know, when I talked to uh, Dave Starman, who you know well, he he compared Orenko possibly to Casey Sezikis, which you know if that happens, it's pretty good. You know, Sezikis is uh, the, on the so-called fourth line with the Islanders, but really is like a third line center in terms of ice time. And it's probably fair fair for what Odorenko can do. He's obviously got a ways to go to do that. But, you know, he's uh, six foot, 210 pounds. That's that's pretty good. And, uh, you know, they, they haven't missed a beat without a roast around this year. Um, and, and Michigan State is actually playing better in some ways. So, and not because of that, but just having a better season overall. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be pretty attractive. I mean, just because of the of the age there. Yeah, Spartans coming off a sweep of the Michigan Wolverines this past weekend. That's uh, impressive for them in yeah. Big Ten action. Uh, Adam Woden from uh, College Hockey News and uh, also contributor at EP Ringside, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Now, when I'm asked the question about college free agents, two guys immediately come to mind. They've both been guests on the show, and that's probably why. Uh, Brinson Pashnik uh, from Arizona State and his teammate in Johnny Walker, uh, also uh, from the Sun Devils. Now, Pashnik I know well because he played up here. He's from the, the same small town area that I'm from as well, so there's a bit of a connection there. But this is a good player, and I I like him. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but, man, he's physical. He obviously contributes offensively. And off the ice, he's, like, so calm and uh, and one of the nicest guys you can meet, and on the ice, he's just a he's just a pain in the ass to play against. <laughs> yeah, that's a good description. And you know, I just have a, a fondness for a guy like that who came into that program and stuck with it for four years and uh, helped it become what it's become. I mean, it shows a lot of leadership there, which is something that really can uh, bode well at, at higher levels. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like a lot of college guys sometimes, uh, is just because you know the the way that they're the way the leadership qualities and what they learned from playing college hockey. And, uh, yeah, I mean, at five foot 10, not big, but then again, right these days, that's not a big deal anymore. At least it doesn't seem that way. You know, I mean, uh, you point, I pointed to guys like Adam Fox to recruit and guys like that, uh, currently in the NHL. And, you know, he's, he's in that mold, uh, where, you know, as long as you can carry the puck, uh, you know, the, the physical, I mean, like you say, he's, willing to be physical so he can do that but um you know you don't want just a plodding stay-at-home defenseman anymore so he fits right in uh you know his coach greg powers always told me that uh, he was kind of shocked he was never drafted in the first place yeah um you know because i mean i guess because of the size and where he was going but i mean anytime you see him play he, he, you definitely notice him. I mentioned how different he is on and off days. He does missionary work in the off season. Like he goes away and does missionary work. I know he got married this past off season, and he tells me on the ice he loves to fight. And he's five ten, and he's playing college <laughs> hockey, so he not a lot of fighting there. So we'll see what he's like as a pro. No. And I mentioned Johnny Walker, and, and here's a guy you describe as a, a perfect late bloomer. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and the stories about him, I guess, are kind of well known at this point. If you if you read about it a lot, is, you know, how he was in really bad shape when he before he got to college. And that's one of the reasons why he didn't stand out. I mean, he was basically uh, cut from the USHL, told that uh, he needed to get in better shape. And he he finally just was like, look, I want to play Division One college hockey. So he busted it. And even when he first got to Arizona State, he still needed to, to work on that a bit. But uh, he slimmed down and 
obviously that's not an issue anymore, you know, as long as I, I assume it won't become one ever again for him. But uh, 17 goals as a freshman, 23 last year, and just kept proving like week after week after week last year that this was not just a, a fluke or a guy playing against lower competition. I mean, he was doing it against big teams last season and then just continues to do it now this season. Uh, just, you know, he always had the shot, but uh, the question was whether he could, you know, get himself into sort of a pro kind of shape that he was going to need to be. And, uh, yeah, he's, again, he could have gone after last year. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a, definitely, a again, a credit. I love when guys stay because I always figure they have plenty of time down the road. So, you know, you add that uh, leadership aspect to his game, and that just gives, makes it even more valuable to an NHL team. I remember Dylan Simpson telling me one time, played for North Dakota, he said he would have played five years if they would have let him. And, uh, <laughs> Not a, not allowed to do that. I'll, I'll never understand uh, the guys who leave too early. You yeah. know, it's just nothing wrong with staying. Minnesota State ha- has a good team, and one of their top players is a is a German named uh, Mark McAllis, if I pronounce that anywhere as close uh, to correctly, or Michaelis. Uh, uh, but not a big guy, <laughs> and he's twenty four. So do both of those things kind of work against him. I mean, all he does is put up numbers. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say Michaelis, but honestly, I don't know either. So there you go. <laughs> but uh, we're we're just the writers here. <laughs> But yeah, you know, it's that that's a tricky one because I've seen a lot of guys like him that put up numbers, you know, and Minnesota State obviously a very good team and they they prove themselves against good teams, but you know, half the time they're not playing elite opponents. So it's tough to compare apples to apples and like you said, he already is twenty four years old. Uh you know, it's it's going to be a, a road for him. I mean, you know, you look at uh, even a guy like Mason Knopps who tore up uh, college hockey, smaller guy, older, senior for Ohio State last year. I mean, he's not, you know, hasn't cracked an NHL lineup yet this year. So, yeah, he'll get his opportunity to be there, but I wouldn't expect a lot, you know, but th- that's all you can ask for, you know. If you're a guy like him who's from Germany and went to Minnesota State, you know, he'll get a chance. Right, and he'll start in the AHL, and we'll see what happens. Now, in, in the write-up, uh, you, you make a point of kind of shying away from goaltenders. Just uh, they're they're a bit voodoo, aren't they? They're hard to predict uh, what's going to happen <laughs> with goaltenders. Uh, but are there a few that, that that stand out for you as at least considerations? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's hard to it's always hard to, to judge uh, some of these guys though who are seniors now. I mean, goaltenders will tend to blossom uh, some of them, a lot of them later. So, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing to be the older goaltender here. And, uh, you know, I think Frank Murat of Clarkson is putting himself on the map. I mean, he, he was a player at Robert Morris and had a solid career. But, again, you know, they're under the radar uh, being a team in Atlantic hockey. And then he goes to Clarkson as a graduate transfer this year. They're in need of a goalie after Jake Kiley signed last year after his junior year. And, Clarkson's one of the top teams in the country this year with him. They don't miss a beat. So that puts him on the map now, I think, where it shows that his game transfers to a higher level and it can keep continuing to do that. The other one is senior Peyton Jones of Penn State, another guy who, you know, it's always hard to tell with him because he would have these moments of brilliance, but then be kind of up and down, especially the regular season compared to the postseason. He's always been good in the postseason, but but also Penn State playing that wide-open style that they play, you know, it's always hard to say, well, is, is it really all his fault, you know, when, when some of these things happen. And this year it seems like, again, it's a combination, because I think Penn State has actually tried to, you know, hone in on being more responsible in terms of playing both ends of the rink. But also, you know, Peyton Jones, a senior, seems to have taken 
another step up in terms of consistency. So, so it's that combination where I think if he is able to continue to do what he's been doing so far all year, he's going to put himself on the map as far as NHL scouts are concerned. Two other goalies I wanted to ask about. Uh, one is on your list. One isn't. Cale uh, Morris at Notre Dame. He should be uh, getting consideration. No, after the last couple of years he's played, where his numbers are unbelievable the last two years. Yeah, it's uh, there's no doubt about that. It's, it's uh, you know, it probably should have put put him on there, I guess, because I, like I said, I didn't make uh, a particular yeah. you know, particular list uh, with the goalies. That is, I guess he's kind of obvious, but. <laughs> Um, he, you know, he missed some time at the beginning of this year with an injury, undisclosed injury, whatever that was. He missed three games, but, uh, you know, he's, he, when he got back in the lineup, he was, uh, still had some effects, it seemed early on, but he's gotten better and better now. Um, you know, 944 save percentage of the sophomore won the Richter award, 930 only last year, right? So he goes down, but, um, <laughs> that's, uh, obviously still tremendous. And then this year it's nine thirteen, like I said, because of some of those early struggles in the first couple of games. But uh, he, he's gotten it back from then on. So obviously he's going to get going to get a big look. I mean Notre Dame is one of those teams that's so disciplined defensively too that sometimes it's hard hard to hard to say. But you looked at a game on Saturday where he was playing Wisconsin, uh, obviously a high powered team, and he let up four goals, but he also stopped Cole Caulfield on two breakaways in the game. And so that, you know, shows you that when he's needed, uh, he's able to rise up. It's that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's sort of the obvious one just because he's got so much press over the last two years. Now, the last guy is uh, playing at Vermont and a 5'9 goaltender. I cannot see having an NHL future, yet Stefanos Lekis is on your <laughs> list and he's putting up good numbers at the collegiate level. So is this a guy who should be getting serious consideration? Yeah, it's like you said, it's almost hard to believe that he could do that at the NHL or or the pro level (laughs) his size, but his numbers are ridiculous. I mean, he he faces so much rubber every game. Uh, Vermont, not a good team, but uh, last year, 930 save percentage while stopping more shots per game than anybody. And, you know... That's always to me the sign, you know, if it's not just the save percentage. If you're stopping those shots while facing a ton of shots, that's a lot different than a team that allows, you know, eighteen shots a game and you allow one goal, you know, and your save percentage looks good. But you're you're facing thirty eight shots a game and you're allowing two goals, you know, that's more impressive. And that's what Lekas been able to do. Now I just I don't know, you know, what what how that's gonna translate. It's like it's hard for me to believe, like you said. But I don't know. I mean, he seemed to be able to do it so far. You know, he's an acrobatic guy. Uh, you know, you don't want to compare him to Dominic Hasek, but you know how he did it. But yeah. Hasek wasn't – Hasek was a little bigger than 5'9", so he, he's able to get away with it more. But I don't know. It's, it's going to be intriguing to see it's, uh, if he's able to translate that to the next level. But uh, he's going to get his opportunity, like you said, just because of, of those numbers. Adam, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you about the, the whole uh, news about the NCAA and players potentially getting having the ability to uh, profit off their likeness and and sponsorships and endorsement deals, things like that, and how that I know that's largely more about football and, and basketball, but can it have a trickle down effect when it comes to NCAA hockey? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm waiting for a story at College Hockey News about it, but uh, maybe we'll, I'll get your, uh, <laughs> your your pre article scoop if you. If you can share some thoughts about it now, yeah, working on it. You know, it's um, like you said, it might not really affect hockey that much, so it's more NCAA wide 
thing, but it's certainly something to keep an eye on. I mean, the coaches that I've talked to so far don't seem to, you know, be worried in any way about it. They did say that, you know, if this opens the door for major junior players to be eligible for NCAA hockey again, then that obviously would be a game changer in terms of NCAA recruiting. So it's really more about whether this becomes a philosophy like where, you know, getting paid to do stuff doesn't, doesn't harm your eligibility and if that trickles into other areas. But as far as just the likeness, I mean, you know, if a kid at North Dakota sells his jersey and makes a couple bucks, I don't know if that's going to have a major impact on college hockey recruiting. Um, you know, from a general standpoint, I mean, I'm not, I'm not against that kind of thing philosophically. I mean, it, you know, from a moral standpoint, being able to take advantage uh, of your of of your name and uh, selling things is the capitalist American way, I guess. But um, what I've always cautioned about in articles is being careful what you wish for in terms of, you know, completely just paying college athletes. And that's not where we're, you know, we're a long way to go before that. And we're a long way to go before even the the likeness rights even get codified. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I just be careful what you wish for, because in my opinion, a lot of college sports, which, you know, a lot of us love the nature of it, all the problems, warts and all, but we love the the concept of, of college sports kind of gets might disappear if uh, a lot of these schools are forced to pay because it's not going to be just basketball and football players that get for paid. I mean, if, if they get paid, everybody's going to get paid down to the rowing team. And that is not going to be sustainable for a lot of schools. And then you might see just schools stop sponsoring athletics altogether, you know, and then I think that will ruin the nature of college sports. Again, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that from a, whether it's right or wrong, you know, whether it's right that payers get played, paid, you know, there's billions of dollars going in college sports. Someone needs to get the money and, you know, maybe the players deserve a piece of it. Fine. But the ramifications of it, I think are a little bit, uh, I'm very wary of that. And I don't know what the answer is, but I just put that out there. Yeah. And this could be five, 10, 20 years from now, who knows how long uh, it all takes to to unfold Uh, before, uh, you mentioned uh, the, the potential possibility, at least, that maybe it means major junior players have eligibility still for the NCAA. Yeah. In your opinion, would that be okay? Would that be good? Or would that become then college hockey is the safety net? It's, you know, all the players will go play major right. junior at first, and then the guys who don't make, you know, uh, get a pro contract out of it, then suddenly they go the college route. Would there Would that be okay, or would that be a bad thing? That's always been why I've been neutral on it because, you know, you talk to the coaches and 30 of them say one thing and 30 say that, you know, we would love to be able to recruit major junior players. But on the other hand, if they're allowed to go there at 16, they'll never come back, you know? So it's, that's the, that's the constant worry. And that's why it's never been, even though some people say it's logical to give the kid that chance, that's why it's never happened. So I, I guess I, I could see both things happening but I guess maybe, you know, because college hockey, I mean, I, we've been having this debate in college hockey circles for 30 years, ever since I've been covering, you know, in the, since the late 80s. But I guess maybe in the last 10 years, college hockey has become so much more prominent and viable that maybe they don't, maybe that concern isn't there anymore, where they don't have to worry about massively losing recruits. 
that are 16, 17, you know, that just go to major junior to start with, I mean, maybe that's not as much of a worry anymore. I don't know. You know, it's, it's really hard to say until it happens. That's true. Very good. Adam, I really appreciate <laughs> your time. Uh, thanks for doing this again, and I uh, look forward to having you on uh, down the road. You got it, man. Always great to uh, chat with Adam Woden from uh, College Hockey News and uh, also contributor at EP Ringside. That's the Elite Prospects uh, prospect page. You can find that. at uh, Go to your Elite Prospects, and you'll see right at the top where it says EP Ringside, and you can click on that. It's just one of those places you can find uh, the Pipeline show every week as well. Looking at the NCAA schedule this weekend and uh, some of the marquee matchups, you see number 6 Penn State is hosting number 11 Ohio State in a Big Ten Conference battle. Cornell, who is 6-0, they get Quinnipiac uh, this weekend. Quinnipiac, uh, by the way, getting a big recruiting victory, at least so far. Ty Smolanik uh, from Team USA, the U-20 or the U-18 squad, uh, has committed to uh, play for the Bobcats. I believe it's the Regina Pats who uh, hold his... A CHL rights. Number 8, Clarkson is uh, going to Brown on Friday. And uh, number 10, Harvard is uh, taking on RPI. In Hockey East, Northeastern, they are ranked uh, 13th. They uh, take on Maine, Massachusetts. And I am really pronouncing uh, Massachusetts a lot better than I used to when it, well, I used to say Massachusetts. Uh, but the Minutemen, who are ranked number 7, they welcome Merrimack. Number 12, Providence is on the road. They will play UConn. Boston University hosts Vermont. In the NCHC, lots of teams who are ranked, but only two that are meeting. Uh, Denver, number 4, going up against 20, Western Michigan. Uh, Duluth plays Colorado College. Omaha at home to Miami. And North Dakota welcomes St. Cloud State to Ralph Engelstad. The number 1 ranked Minnesota State are at home to Alaska Anchorage, and news this week out of a WCHA that uh, Alabama Huntsville has uh, let the league know that they'll be leaving, along with everybody else in the conference, uh, aside from the two Alaska schools. So uh, I don't know what to expect. We'll have to get somebody on to talk about that, what the what the WCHA conference is going to look like uh, two years from now when everybody's gone except two clubs. Obviously, that's not sustainable, so a change, a facelift on the horizon. Uh, once again in NCAA. All right, next up here on the Pipeline Show, it'll be a U-Sport update. Uh, Matt Alfaro, you knew him as a member of the Kootenai Ice uh, for uh, the better part of four seasons before uh, getting traded to the Lethbridge Hurricanes at the end of his WHL uh, career. Well, now he is entering uh, year three of his uh, U-Sport uh, chapter of his career, uh, making full use of his WHL scholarship and uh, playing for the University of Calgary Dinos, leading Canada West in scoring. We'll catch up with Matt Alfaro here on the Pipeline Show next. Now near side, White. Far side, Krebs. Wrist shot, scores! Peyton Krebs, a wrist shot from the far side, and gets by Bailey Birkin. Hey, Peyton Krebs from the Kootenai Ice, and this is the Pipeline Show. From the organization that brought you Mark Messier, Matt Benning, and Ian Mitchell, Spruce Grove Saints Junior A Hockey is officially back for the 2019-2020 season with all the action taking place at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. 
with tickets starting at just $15 per person, AJHL Hockey provides some quality entertainment. For more information, visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. We are back on the Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming, and it's uh, time for another U-Sport update. Uh, this week, we are heading south in Alberta to uh, Calgary, and that doesn't narrow it down enough. So we're going to talk about the University of Calgary Dinos. And uh, the star forward for the uh, club right now is also leading Canada West in scoring, Matt Alfaro. Uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show, Matt. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure to get a chance to speak with you, and, and uh, maybe we'll start with that and just uh, how uh, offensively uh, uh, the, the numbers just keep piling up for you this year. And there's been some games where you're held off the score sheet, and there are other games where you get three or four points. Uh, have you been pretty happy with your production this year? Yeah, I've been. Obviously, I can't be I can't be mad at the numbers right now. Um, I think coming into this year was I talked to my coach, and the big thing was consistency, so I think I've been consistent throughout the year, and I'm just trying to keep that motivation going. Well, for the team right now, tied with the uh, University of Saskatchewan Huskies with 16 points, one point back at Mount Royal. I know you just recently had a a nice series uh, with them, uh, and uh, the University of Alberta right now. Uh, uh, while they're they have a bit of a cushion at the top, but uh, right in the mm-hmm. thick of it in uh, Canada West. Tell me about how things have gone for the Dinos to this point in the season. Uh, they've gone pretty good. Besides. Uh... We had a little slip up against U of A. We uh, we had a lead against them at home on the first game we played them on the Friday, and then we let that slip. And when you give U of A a couple chances to score, they're going to capitalize, and that was really the game. And then we had to go on the road to play at the Claire Drake, and that's always a tough place to play. And we didn't come ready, and so kind of got our teeth knocked in a little bit there, got a little wake-up call, but... I thought we uh, responded well against Mount Royal the next week. You're uh, you're a Calgary guy, uh, so you know what the Battle of Alberta is all about at the NHL level and at the WHL level. Although you didn't play for the Hitmen, but is are the the Golden Bears and the Dinos? Is that rivalry as as strong as it is in other sports and at other levels of hockey as well? Oh yeah, this is uh, for the past three years I've been here. It's always been close games, and they get pretty chippy near the end of the games. And uh, we don't like playing them, and they don't like playing us. So. Now you have a crosstown rival though too in Mount Royal. So you know, is the, is the rivalry there growing? Is it as as uh, mean spirited as it, as it can be when you play the Golden Bears? Oh yeah, that's pretty much. It's very similar. I think almost it's even. Uh, it's more physical with uh, Mount Royal. I we always kind of laugh because we're I'm friends with a bunch of them off the ice, and sure. we see each other see each other around town, and there's a lot of Calgary guys on that team too. So you think it wouldn't be as uh, as heated, but it's definitely as heated. Well, and uh, I'm sure there are a lot of guys you've played with or against uh, during your WHL career uh, scattered throughout Canada West. Let's be honest, Canada yeah. West dominated by former WHL guys. Uh, we'll get to that stuff uh, in a little bit, but uh, this is year three for you uh, now at the U-Sport level. And uh, do you, is there a certain level of comfort that kind of settles in at this point in your, your uh, U-Sport career? Yeah, I think this is uh, the most comfortable I've ever felt and the most confident, really. It, uh, it, my first year struggled a little bit. It takes some time. I think guys come from the WHL and they think they've kind of taken a step down to come to Canada West, but really it's all the same players that you've played against for the last four years in the WHL. So some guys need a little wake-up call, and I definitely needed that. And 
now I'm kind of I'm getting used to the league and getting used to the pace of play, and I think that's showing. Interesting. I'm going to revisit that for a second. You, you said I'm um, for you, and you're speaking just for yourself. That when you yeah. got to the University of Calgary, you thought it would be easier than it was. That it was, as you described, a bit of a step down. Why do you think that? Well, some guys. Well, when you're a 20 year old in the WHL, you're playing against 17 year olds and 18 year olds, yeah. and then. There's just this stigma around university hockey where if you're not going pro, you're kind of disappointed to come. Mm -hmm. But I think that's starting to change with guys getting pro deals out of university sports like Luke Philp. And we're kind of getting the opportunity now and it's really turned around to a competitive league and it really doesn't get the attention it deserves. And I think that has a big part to play in it. What was the transition from being a, you know, a 20 year old in the WHL to being a rookie again the next year? It was tough. You're coming in, you're playing against 24-year-old, like 24-year-old, 25-year-old men that have been playing in this league for five years. So you're playing against grown men, really. So that was uh, a pretty big adjustment. It's a little more physical, and you can't be running around hitting 17-year-olds anymore. Yeah. 12 points uh, your first year with the Dinos, uh, 20 last year. You're already over that, uh, past those numbers this year, career highs already, uh, and you're only halfway through the season. So What's the biggest difference? Is it just getting acclimated to the league and, and it's just taken a couple of years? Um, I think it's just really my confidence in playing how I know I can play and really just setting the pace for my team, um, playing with speed. And really, this is probably the best I've felt since probably my 19-year-old, 20-year-old year. So really just being healthy and getting stronger. Matt Alfaro of the University of Calgary Dino is my guest here on the Pipeline Show talking some U sports. Uh, who are your line mates for the most part this year, or does it change often? Uh, the whole year, it's really been uh, Coda Gordon, who's a uh, fifth year. He played for Swift Current Broncos. Yeah. And then um, on my right side, it's Caden Elder, who's uh, he's a rookie this year, but he's been doing well so far. He's been lighting the lamp quite a bit. So, All right, well, let's uh, talk about a little bit about your WHL uh, time spent in the WHL. And uh, most of that, he spent uh, four years in the league. All but 20 games of that was for the Kootenai Ice. And, uh, you know, being a Calgary guy, Kootenai, not that far away exactly. And you get to play in the, the central division. But, uh, what was your, when you look back at your WHL career, what were some of the highlights that immediately come to mind? Um, I loved the rivalry with the Calgary Hitmen. We, uh, we played them lots during the regular season and also had the pleasure of playing two playoff series against them. Mm-hmm. So those rivalries were pretty heated. And being a Calgary guy, I always loved playing in the Saddle Dome and, it was a dream of mine to play at the Saddle Dome and to do that probably 15 times over my career was great memories and things I'll remember. Well, and uh, certainly the the teams that you were a part of, uh, I know your, your rookie year, you went a couple of rounds in the playoffs that year, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, after that, yeah. the, the team sort of struggled. Uh, how difficult was that to go through? That was tough. Yeah, my first two years, we had, we had good teams and we kind of underachieved in the playoffs. And then my 19-year-old year was a really down year for us. And uh, kind of just stuck with it. And my 20-year-old year, I was same kind of situation, but then got the trade at the deadline to try to make a run with the Hurricanes, which was a good way to end my career. Yeah, I wonder what that transition is like, though, where you spend almost four full seasons in with one team, and then you get dealt and what it's like to kind of fit into a new room like that for a stretch drive. Yeah, it's really different. Like I said, like three and a half years in the same place, same billets. I was with the same billets the whole time in Kootenai, and then to change when I was 20, was, uh, it was a big adjustment, but I was happy it happened, and um, things really didn't go the way I expected with some injuries and us losing in the conference finals, but it was still a good experience, and 
I'm happy it happened. Now that uh, when you you look and you see the Kootenays not even there anymore, uh, when you heard that news <laughs> that, that they were moving, uh, what were the uh, the thoughts you had about that? Uh, well, we my whole time there, even we we heard the rumors. We knew something yeah. was eventually going to happen, and um, I'm kind of glad. Like the new owners came in, they gave Cranbrook a shot, like a an honest shot to really keep the team and. I just don't think the the city had it anymore, so it's kind of sad to see, but I think it's better for the WHL and better for the new players of the Winnipeg Ice to have that experience and almost have a better fan environment to play in. I love my time in Cranbrook. I love the city, and I wouldn't change anything. I'm glad I played there, but it's it was a time for a change, so it's good to see. Do you follow the WHL still, or because the franchise isn't, isn't there anymore, do you almost feel like there's a bit of a... A cut in your ties to uh, to the league? Yeah, a little bit. When they said, uh, I think I got some award, and they said uh, Winnipeg Ice alumni, it sounded weird. It uh, yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't really feel like the same, but yeah, I still follow around, follow them, uh, follow them along a bit. Um, tell me about the scholarship, and uh, I, I I've talked to a lot of players uh, who are playing U Sport or have played U Sport, so I know how the scholarship package uh, works and things. But um, for the audience who might not know all the ins and outs. Uh, how does that work for you now that you're at U Sport and using the WHL scholarship package? Um, how has that helped you? It's helped me a lot, really. So I played, I played four years in WHL, so I have four years of schooling paid for. Um, I decided to come to UFC, so I'm I'm living at home right now, so I'm saving some money with that. And really, with the scholarship, it's helped me out a lot. It kind of takes your mind off the money and. You can buy the textbooks that you need. You don't have to stress about that, and you can worry more on the actual academic side and then the hockey on top of it. Is is it a complicated process? A lot of paperwork to fill out, or is it pretty simple? No, they're really good with us. You really have to fill out. You got to fill out one form in the summer saying that you're using your scholarship, and then that's about it for the year. And then you hand in your textbook checks each semester, and they give you uh, give your money back, and they take care of all the the payments with the University of Calgary, like they do direct billing to them. So I never see, I don't have to worry about anything like that. Nice. Do you have any idea how much it's actually uh, covered for you uh, cost-wise? Oh yeah. It still comes up on my, I still see the bills and see when they paid it and everything. So I know how much money I have left. We have a certain cap for how much tuition we get each year. So you just got to keep an eye on that, but it's, uh, it's been enough so far. So it's been good. What are you studying by the way? Uh, I just transferred into uh, the School of Business here at University of Calgary. Okay. When you're trying to balance academics uh, and the athletic uh, part, I mean, you're there to play hockey, but you're also there to, to uh, get good marks and stuff and, and finish with a degree of some sort. Um, is that a challenge? I mean, you, you, you when you're in the WHL, you're playing and, and you went to high school at the same time, but it's got to be a little bit different when it's a post-secondary. Oh, yeah, it's a lot different. That was probably one of the, the bigger adjustments coming from not doing any school when you're 18, 19, 20 in WHL and just sleeping in a little bit, working <laughs> out, practicing every day. Now you gotta, you have practices later in the day. You gotta do class, go home after practice. You gotta really manage your time a lot. So I think that takes, it's different for every guy. Some guys struggle with it. Some guys get it right away. It's just how much effort you put in. Right. And as long as you put the effort in, I think anyone can really do it. And I imagine you, you rely on uh, the older teammates to try to give you some tips on how to make that adjustment you mentioned Coda Gordon I don't know if, if that's a guy that uh, would be that sort of a maybe mentor is the, not the right word but uh, now that you're in year three are you helping the young guys too yeah no I've I've told them many a times like 
if you have any questions about what classes you think you should take or what professors are good, just talk to guys on the team. There's chances are that at least one guy on the team has taken that class or he's had that professor before. So right. if you need any tips or notes from previous years, it's, uh, it's a big help to be on the hockey team at university because you are, you automatically have a network of people that can help you out or you have teammates in classes with you to help you study. So it's really big. Matt Alfaro of the uh, USC Dinos leading Canada West in scoring right now. Uh, Calgary, uh, your next uh, couple of games against the Lethbridge Pronghorns, correct? Uh, yeah, we play in Lethbridge Friday night and then at home on Saturday. Nice. Uh, and I guess, how do you, how do you feel about the, the scheduling difference? Did that take some getting used to? You know, where it's, it's only on the weekends now. Uh, you know, it's a, a home at home or two games there and, uh, and, different than the whl isn't it certainly not the the travel's a little bit different you don't have those two week long uh, road trips and stuff yeah the travel is a little bit easier um i think the big thing is we play i think a third amount of the game so each game is very important so i think that's why yeah. they're almost more physical and everyone's more heated on the ice because you know you need you need those two points every night and uh it's a lot more practice time you're yeah. practicing monday to thursday every week no weekday games like in the whl's Games on the weekend are way more important. So, well, and I guess that condensed schedule means you, you can't really have uh, you know a, a losing streak or anything like that, or a couple of weekends where you where you struggle could really cost you in the standings. Yeah, that's when if you have a couple off weeks, like you see a big gap in between second and third place, and it's really hard to catch up to those top teams. So every weekend's important. You got to make sure you're not getting swept or anything like that. So yeah, all right. So there's seven teams, uh, seven other teams. In Canada West, do you play everybody like home and home twice? Yeah, so you play uh, you play everyone four times. For uh, we have a pretty good schedule since we have lots of teams around us, right. like Alberta, Mount Royal, U of L. So we play home and homes with them. And then the other, the Saskatchewan teams, Manitoba and UBC, we play two uh, two home games one weekend, and then the next half we'll play two road games against them. Who's got the best facilities on the road that uh, you like going to watch, uh, whether it's the atmosphere from the crowd or just the, the rink itself? I'd probably say uh, Saskatchewan's new rink. It's probably the nicest in the league. They got Jumbotron. Ah. They got season ticket holders to get probably about 1,000 fans a night. So it's almost like a, a WHL experience there. So it's kind of nice to play there now. Yeah, I haven't been to the new rink. I'll have to check that out. Well, Matt, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for taking the time to uh, come on the Pipeline Show uh, and uh, sharing your uh, experience and your insight into uh, U-Sport. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Matt Alfaro, uh, formerly of the uh, Kootenai Ice, and uh, I was interested to hear what he thought of the whole move to Winnipeg and if that, because it kind of severs that connection for him a little bit. And, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, being called a an alum of the Winnipeg Ice just felt a little weird, and I can understand that. Uh, but Matt Alfaro was always a really good uh, WHL player. wasn't sure, you know, if he would get a pro contract uh, or not after his WHL uh, eligibility was up. But uh, glad to see him uh, taking advantage of his WHL scholarship as well. And uh, who knows, uh, when he's done that, maybe he'll uh, have the opportunity to play in the American Hockey League or the ECHL or head over to Europe. We'll see. Another player who is in the same situation right now as uh, Alfaro was at the end of his WHL career, he's going to be my guest next. His name is Will Warm. He's a overage defenseman now with the Victoria Royals, former member of the Edmonton Oil Kings, uh, but playing for a contract. Or will he potentially, will, might we see him playing U-Sport next year? 
Uh, that doesn't actually come up in the conversation uh, as uh, I had a chance to speak with Will just as the Victoria Royals were about to board the ferry to go from uh, the island to the mainland uh, on Wednesday as they were going up to Kelowna to take on the Rockets. Uh, so uh, a shorter segment, but an in-the-dub segment coming up next with Will Warm of the Victoria Royals. <laughs> Hi, this is Curtis Lazar of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Hey, it's Brett Pollock. Hi, I'm Keegan Wolf. Hey, it's Tristan Jari. Hi, this is uh, Lauren Bressois. Griffin Reinhardt. This is Aaron Irving. Hey, it's Dyson Mayo. This is Henrik Sanderson. I'm Thomas Winsler. Hey, I'm Mark Pesek of the Edmonton Oil Kings, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. your weekend with WHL Hockey Action. This Saturday night, it's the Battle of Alberta as your Edmonton Oil Kings go head-to-head against the Calgary Hitmen at Rogers Place. Then, Sunday afternoon at 4, it's Oil Kings versus the Regina Pats. The holidays are on the way. Make your festive colors red and blue. Don't miss the Oil Kings live. Great family entertainment at Rogers Place starts at just $20 a seat. Save on day of game pricing now at oilkings.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Look, Gad, we have to stay strong. If you don't stand with your fellow Canadians, then you are a rat. Don't call me a rat, buddy. I'm not your buddy, friend. He's not your friend, guy. I'm not your guy, buddy. He's not your buddy, friend. I'm not your friend, guy. We are back on The Pipeline Show. Time for an in-the-dub segment. You can stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League by making dubnetwork.ca uh, a visit of yours every day. My guest this week is uh, a WHL player. His name is Will Warm of the Victoria Royals. Will, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are things? Good. Thanks for having me on, Keith. Well, good to uh, good to catch up with you after a number of years here in Edmonton as an Oil King. Uh, you're spending yeah. this season in Victoria. What's that transition been like for you? Uh, it's been uh, yeah, it's been different. There's uh, I think any time moving to a different organization, there's um, yeah, it's just different but uh my teammates here in victoria made it made it really smooth and uh made it an easy one i know last year was a difficult one for you because of injury uh how are you feeling right now i mean you've, you've played 18 games to this point uh you feeling 100 percent? yeah yeah no i've uh yeah last year was tough um spent a lot of time up in the press box being injured and <laughs> worked really hard to worked really hard to try and come back healthy and 100 percent and um, yeah, no, this season so far, I've been feeling really good. Uh, and for, I would guess, uh, having missed that much time, just getting through training camp and playing consistent hockey and being healthy, that's got to be just uh, like something you don't have to worry about, uh, like a weight off your shoulders. Yeah, for sure. I think um, just being injured for as long as I have, it definitely uh, puts things in perspective and makes it makes you grateful for when you are healthy and when you are able to play. So yeah, I've just been grateful for being able to play this year now last year two points uh, through those 33 games the year before that 12 points in in 53 games this year you got 10 points already after 18 games uh andrew peard and i joked you know it'd be like your alter ego your superhero name or something that uh, when will warm uh, changes the identity he becomes billy hot well billy hot's <laughs> been showing up a lot this year 10 points <laughs> you know it's a lot of production yeah. for you yeah no it's um yeah, I'm trying not to really focus on that and just just try to play my game. And uh, yeah, I feel like I'm playing good hockey, and the team 
the team's playing really good hockey right now. So, um, yeah, that definitely helps. Well, to what do you attribute the the big jump in production, though? Is this either playing a lot more on the power play than before, or are you just playing a lot, getting a lot more opportunity than, than you had previously? Uh, yeah, I think um, probably a little bit to do with uh, just playing a little bit better, but also, yeah, a little bit more opportunity to be offensive and um, kind of play some power play minutes and stuff. So that probably has something to do with it, as well as, yeah, just kind of trying to elevate my game a little bit. Will Warm of the uh, Victoria Royals or Billy Hot? Uh, we usually say Billy uh, Hot with two T's, uh, so it doesn't sound like <laughs> weird. But uh, the Victoria Royals right now uh, will uh, playing some pretty good hockey too. Uh, Ten seven and one record, uh, four uh, four game winning streak right now. Uh, what's gone right for the Royals as of late? Um, yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, talked about this a little bit. Just we as a team this year, we had. There was a ton of trades and um, a lot of new faces to the organization, including myself. And so I think that just had a bit of an adjustment period and trying to get used to each other and um, learning new systems and whatnot. And I think the last kind of stretch of games, we've started to play some really good hockey and, uh, yeah, starting to get kind of more comfortable with each other and with the systems, and that definitely helps. Is there a difference uh, in from conference to conference? I know in Victoria, it's it's a it's its own beast anyway because you're having to deal with the ferry and stuff. What's the, what's the travel like out of Victoria? Yeah, yeah, I mean the ferry ferry definitely makes things a little more difficult, but I think it's yeah a lot more crossing the border into the U.S., which also adds a little bit having to wait at the border, or wait at the ferry. So right, um, kind of a different different type of travel. It, we haven't we haven't had too many games on the road, uh, too many road trips yet, though, so far, so it's hard to say. Do you guys have that sleeper bus? Yeah, we do. It's incredible. It's, yeah. like, it's the nicest thing. It's it's uh, definitely makes those long road trips a lot nicer. Oh, that's great. I've seen pictures of them. They look like they'd be awesome to... Uh, that's the that's the only way to go, is it? For for those teams yeah. that have those long delays, for sure, makes it, yeah. the drives through the evening or through overnight a lot better. Yeah, for sure. Now this weekend upcoming, you've got the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, showing up in Victoria. Has that been a game that's been circled on your calendar? Yeah, definitely. I think it's always anytime you kind of get traded and get uh, an opportunity with a new organization, it's it's always. I mean, yeah, I played there three seasons, so it's it's going to be weird playing against old friends and old old the old team. But I'm definitely excited for it. Uh, now we talked about travel differences between the two conferences. Is is there is the play at all different? Do you get a sense that that the Eastern and the Western Division or conferences rather that they there's a little bit of difference to the way they're played or no hockey is hockey just hockey? No, I think it is. It is a little bit different. It's it's I don't know. It's hard to kind of put a finger on what it is. I think um, it's a little bit more like a bit of a heavier game, maybe a little bit more physical. Whereas uh, Eastern, a lot of teams in the East are really fast and really skilled. It seems to be a bit more like teams like Prince George and Kamloops that are really, really heavy on the forecheck. Uh, Will, when you look back at your time uh, here in Edmonton with the Oil Kings, uh, what are what are some of the highlight moments, things that stand out for you? Uh, I think it started with um, being drafted to Edmonton when out of the Bantam draft, and that's that was... Uh, really cool and then my first spring camp being a part of that and getting to see the organization and then um one of my biggest highlights obviously was was the home opener um uh like rogers rogers place first game ever and 
um, just going out to sell out there. That was, that was incredible. And then, um, lastly, I think just the playoff run we made last year and kind of really coming together as a team and making a good push. That was, that was awesome. And I suppose if there's uh, something you won't miss at all about Edmonton, it would be winter. And boy, you get to uh, spend, you get to spend this uh, December and January and February on the island where there is no winter. Uh, that's a nice uh, trade, isn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been definitely a little different. I went golfing last week. So, um, yeah, I know the, this weather feels a little bit more more like home for sure. Well, Will, listen, I appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy uh, the the rest of the season. Uh, good luck uh, this week uh, when you're facing off against your old buddies with the Old Kings, and uh, hope we'll uh, chat again soon. All right, thanks a lot, Keith. Thanks for thanks for the chat. Short and sweet, uh, Will Warm of the Victoria Royals, just as the Royals were uh, about to get on the uh, back on the the sleeper bus and onto the ferry. Uh, to take them across to the mainland so that they could go up to uh, Kelowna to take on the Rockets uh, that night. Uh, they did not win that game uh, on Wednesday night. So their four-game winning streak that I mentioned and talked to him about there is uh, officially done. The Royals, though, return home and uh, get set to take on the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, tonight. You can hear that game on TSN 1260 with uh, Andrew Peard. Uh, Marlon Martins uh, calls the games for the Victoria Royals. That's one of nine games on tap tonight in the WHL. Some big ones. The Saskatoon Blades are in Everett. That means it's Mitch Love's return to Everett, where he was uh, on the bench for the Silvertips for many, many years, makes his return uh, tonight uh, for the Blades. Moose Jaw is in Medicine Hat to play the Tigers. Brandon hosting the Calgary Hitmen. The Prince Albert Raiders are in Lethbridge. That should be a terrific contest uh, to the top teams in the WHL right now, the Kamloops Blazers are in Prince George, Seattle. Welcomes the Kelowna Rockets. The Tri-City Americans are hosting the Winnipeg Ice. The Ice this week getting Peyton Krebs back. Actually, it was last weekend against the Portland Winterhawks. But uh, Peyton Krebs back in the WHL and with a uh, nice new NHL contract in his back pocket with the Vegas Golden Knights. Meanwhile, Swift Current and Regina connect. A uh, good rivalry there. And as I mentioned, the Oil Kings are on the island to play Victoria, all of those games. You can watch those games via WHL Live if you uh, wish to, or if you can, uh, if you don't want to do that and you just want to listen to the games, as I mentioned, uh, TSN 1260, uh, home of the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, radio rights. One segment left to go on this week's episode, and it is a 2020 draft spotlight. Uh, one of the uh, top players out of the OHL, and there are a few this year up for the NHL draft. This guy ranked number 12 this week on HockeyProspect.com's latest rankings. 12th overall. Uh, his name is Marco Rossi. He's an Austrian playing in the OHL with the Ottawa 67s. Not a big guy, but putting up some big points. Get to know Marco Rossi next here on the Pipeline Show. Lowney wants this hat trick, and he's just going right to the net. Scores! There it is! He wanted it! He got it! <laughs> Give him five points! Hey, it's Gabriel Valerdi of the Windsor Spitfires, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. 
The store next door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks, a lot, a whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Release the Kraken! We are back on the Pipeline Show. We're going to turn on the 2020 Draft Spotlight and uh, chat with a player who is uh, eligible for the upcoming NHL Draft. And this week we are heading out to the Ontario Hockey League. And we're going to speak with a, a player of the Ottawa 67s. That, te- that team is off to a great start once again this year. And uh, Marco Rossi is playing terrific hockey right now for those 67s and joins me now. Marco, how are you today? Hey, I'm good. And you? I'm doing well, uh, except I'm not playing for uh, one of the hottest teams in the entire Canadian Hockey League, uh, the Ottawa 67s right now, uh, playing some pretty uh, pretty good hockey. Uh, you've won two in a row, but uh, you're sitting in first place in the OHL's Eastern Conference. Uh, what's going right for your club? Um, I think we're playing a really good hockey, like last season. We're just playing, having fun, and we're focusing on the process, so yeah. Yeah, and for you, uh, you're having a really strong start to the year as well. 32 points already in just 16 games. Uh, this is year number two for you now, uh, playing in Canada in the in the OHL with Ottawa. You had 65 points mm-hmm. last year, uh, so you're already almost halfway to those numbers. Uh, so that's a big jump in production for you too. Not that last year was bad because you had almost 30 goals. That yeah. was a, that was a really good year, but you're off to an even better start this year. How come? Um, I think last year came like. How should I say it? It helped me a lot because the first year in Canada is always special because you don't know what's going to expect me. The ice service is smaller. The hockey is different than back in Europe. So I didn't know what's going to expect me in the first year. And in the second year, I knew exactly what's going to happen. So I was ready for that. So you feel more comfortable then? You've been to all the rinks. You know what the the, the road trips are going to be like. So there's there's no surprises. So yeah. everything feels a little bit more normal now? Yeah, now I feel comfortable. Yeah, and and you've played with uh, a lot of your teammates now for a, a year and a half, so uh, I imagine you get used to each other that way too. Yeah, true. Uh, Marco, tell me about uh, your role on the team. Uh, I, obviously, you are an offensive player, so you're expected to to be one of the guys who uh, is going to score, or not maybe not necessarily score the goals, but uh, you're going to be on the power play and all of those types of things. Exactly. I'm playing power play PK and... Try to score goals, of course, setting up passes, and even defensive zones are important for me and for my game. Do you like the the penalty kill or the power play more? Because uh, I've I've talked to players who do both, and sometimes it's surprising, yeah. but they they take more pride in preventing the other team from scoring on the power play than than uh, yeah. than getting a power play yeah. goal yourself. Uh, how about you? Um, if, I think if we are chasing for a goal, of course, I want to play power play. Yeah. And if we are up by a goal, I want to. It's good to play PK because you don't want them to score. Right. 
Uh, Marco Rossi from the Ottawa 67s is my guest right now on the Pipeline Show. And uh, Marco, we like to, in this part of the show, we like to get a player on who's draft eligible like you are. And uh, my audience is uh, all over North America and, and some people in Europe will listen too. Um, so not everybody that's hearing this right now will know who Marco Rossi is, although they, they certainly will get to know you as the year goes on and the NHL draft gets closer. But uh, for those people, let's get to know you a little bit better, all right? Uh, where are you from? Where, uh, what country and uh, what town are you from uh, before you came over here? So I'm from Austria, and the town is called Feldkirch. It's on the borders of Switzerland and Germany. Yeah, Switzerland, and Liechtenstein is right there too, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, well, many years ago, I actually drove right through that part of uh, of Europe. Uh, beautiful country, absolutely uh, it's like looking at a, a postcard every day. It's a really a lovely part of the world for sure. Uh, but you played a lot of, you spent a lot of your hockey career playing in Switzerland, didn't you? Yes. Um, when I was 13, I'm, I changed the club to a Swiss hockey team because the hockey is better in, in Switzerland than Austria. So that's why I moved there. Is there a pretty good hockey rivalry between, uh, Austria and Switzerland? Um, no, not really. No. No? The, the, the Swiss no. are much better? Yeah. All right. So when you play for Austria, like at the World U18 or the uh, the World Junior Championship, um, how do you feel about uh, playing against a team like Switzerland? I, or have you actually had that chance? Because you might be in two different divisions. Yeah, no, we have never played against each other. Yeah. We're top division. We are one below. All right. Now, I know you did play in the World Junior Championship a couple of years ago for Austria, but not mm. last year. Uh, why not last year? Um, last year I had my injury on my elbow. So that's why. Okay. Uh, would and you're still eligible to do it this year? Would you go this year? No, my North American agent. He said he wants that I focus more on the OHL. Oh, okay. All right. How do you feel about that? Are you okay with that? Um. Yeah. Like he told me, and I trust him. So yeah. Okay. Very good. Tell me why you uh, you wanted to come over and, and play in North America. Obviously, it's the NHL draft is is this year mm-hmm. for you. So you you've been uh, over here for a couple of seasons now to get used to playing it in North America. Is is it more about that about learning how to play on the smaller ice surface and and playing more of an NHL uh, schedule where you're playing that many games, or was it about coming over and getting noticed more by NHL scouts? Um, no, it was more about the ice surface because Canadian hockey. Or the junior hockey league is the best in the world, and it's comparable like to the NHL, the ice service, and with the catcher than Europe. So that was a huge impact. Did you talk to anybody else, uh, like other players who have done what you've done and, and come over before you came over? Did you talk to anybody to to see how uh, how it went for them, what it was like? Yeah, we have some Austrian um, players who who played in the OHL or in the CHL and just. I asked them a little bit how the league is and stuff like that. Anybody in particular that you can mention? Yeah, like Nico Hischer. Yeah. I talked with him a little bit. Just like about the coach, because when I drafted by Ottawa 67, the coach was Andre Turini. Yeah. And he coached before Nico Hischer in Halifax. So I asked him a little about the coach and yeah. Well, that's perfect because that's where I wanted to go next was uh, about Coach Andre Tourné, who's, as you mentioned, has a lot of experience mm-hmm. uh, at coaching at, at the Canadian Hockey League level and has had success with uh, other players uh, who have gone on to the NHL for sure. How has he helped you become mm-hmm. a better player? Oh, that was like one of the biggest reasons I came to Ottawa because of the coach, and he helped me a lot. 
we have like almost everyday video meetings and we always watch our games or my game and we always say what I have to do better and stuff. Who have your uh, line mates been uh, for the most part this year, uh, Marco, or has it changed uh, quite a bit? No, it has been. At the beginning, it was Austin Keating and Graham Clark, but Graham Clark got hurt. Mm-hmm. And um, I think one of them is got a player. And it's Joseph Garefa now. So Joseph Garefa and Austin Keating. Obviously, it's it's working well for you guys. Uh, all all three of you have a lot of points. Why do you think the uh, the chemistry between the three of you works so well? What what makes it uh, what makes that line click? I think all of us has a really good hockey IQ. We can read the game really well. Good passes, all of us, and we are relentless. That's like a big key. Marco Rossi, my guest, he plays for the Ottawa 67s in the OHL, uh, one of the players ranked uh, very high for the 2020 NHL draft. In fact, this week, HockeyProspect.com's uh, newest ratings have come out, and I believe they have you uh, ranked number 12. Uh, Marco, uh, do you think about the draft much? No. I'm really? not focusing on that. Really? Not yeah, at all? You don't... Like, I'm not, I can't control it, so I can... I'm focusing on what I can tr- control, and that's how it plays, so yeah. Uh, interesting. I, I talked to a lot of players on this show, and, and half the players will say just what you did, that you don't want to think about it. It might be a distraction, and, and other players say, no, mm-hmm. they, they want to know where they're ranked, and they use that as, as motivation. Uh, not for you, eh? You, you don't want to think about it? No, I mean, if you get rough, that's one thing, but you're still not playing in the NHL, and the goal is to play in the NHL, so just have to keep working hard every day. Interesting. Uh, well, I, I mean, when the draft comes, there's probably... Uh, you're not worried if you're going to get drafted. It's more about when you're going to get drafted. Do you do you care if it's in the first round or not? Of course, I've had like high expectations. Yeah. I want to go like as high as I can. So yeah. Uh, for those of us who haven't had a chance to watch you play, how would you describe yourself as a player? Um, I'm a playmaker. Um, with a really high hockey IQ, and who loves to compete. You you have uh, last year you had 29 goals and 36 assists. So that's Pretty pretty close to the same uh, this year. Eight goals and twenty four assists, so a lot more assists this year than goals. Do you see yourself more as a as a playmaker, as a setup guy, or is it just this year the goals haven't been going in for you? Yeah, like I mean, it always depends on the situation. So this year there weren't like really a lot of um, situations I could shoot or like score a lot of goals. So okay, yeah. But you're a goal scorer too. I mean, 30 goals last year, or almost 30, is pretty good. Do you? How often does uh, Coach Tourney tell you to shoot more? Um, not really. No. Like, no. Uh, Marco, did you have a favorite team uh, growing up? Uh, a favorite NHL team? Did did you, did you have the chance over there to watch a lot of NHL games? Yeah, I always watch the highlights, but I never had a really favorite team. I only had a favorite hockey player. And who would that be? Um, Paradisic. Oh, Pavel Datsuk. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, skilled player there for sure. Do you do you see some similarities? Do you, yeah. Was that a player that you thought yeah. you could play like? Since I was a little kid, I always watched his highlight videos and I tried to compare to his game. Well, and, and he's not a, a a really big player either, and you're not very tall, and uh, I am sure mm-hmm. you get asked that about that all the time, but um, being your size has not uh, slowed you down at all. Why is it not a problem for you? I mean, because I'm really strong on my skates and I'm a I'm a really big, so the size is not really important for me for my game plan, what I'm playing, and how I'm playing. So yeah. 
Excellent. Well, Marco, listen, I really appreciate your time today. I, I wish you and the Ottawa 67s uh, a, a lot of luck this season and whatever happens to the draft. I hope uh, I hope we can talk again one day. Yes, thank you very much. That was Marco Rossi of the Ottawa 67s, uh, ranked number 12 by HockeyProspect.com. In their new rankings, just out this week, you can find them at that website right there, Elite Prospects. All, all, uh, they list a number of uh, different rankings. You can find that as well and uh rossi's an interesting player for sure not the biggest guy in the world but uh you know what he said at the end there he it hasn't been a, an issue for him he's had success uh, to this point and we're seeing more and more small players have success at the professional level as well uh, by the way picked up a couple of points uh, since that interview in a uh, victory over the mississauga steelhead so uh, marco rossi continuing to play well that is the final interview for this week's episode. Next week on the program, uh, more of the same. There'll be another 2020 draft spotlight. Uh, not sure exactly who the guest will be just yet, but you can count on there being a CHL Insider and NCAA update uh, and in the dub segment as well. And uh, we'll get somebody that is draft eligible in 2020. Quick thank you to everybody who signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash show. All of these interviews that you heard on the episode today, this show came out, I don't know when you're listening to it, but it comes out usually on Fridays. Nine times out of ten, it'll be a Friday. Uh, But the interviews I do earlier in the week, then I post them to Patreon, and uh, patrons can uh, hear those interviews individually, as uh, probably about a half an hour after they happen normally, about that long. Um, So some of these interviews I did, like uh, Tuesday, they've been available for three or four days already to uh, folks who uh, pay a couple of bucks a month. All right, busy weekend of uh, hockey coming up, so get out and watch some junior college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week here on the Pipeline Show. Until then, I'm Guy Flaming. See ya.